those are your own. You did not know. I did not. Hello and welcome to the Ready Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast every week of the year. We're bringing you an episode TNG in chronological order and all the behind-the-scenes stories that correspond to that episode. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my partner Brandon Hobbs, ex-head of Resources Management. Brandon, how are you doing today? Mitch, Mitch, it's, uh, well, first of all, uh, elephant in the room, we've been gone for a week. We have. Uh, it's nice to be back. Um, we had to is it, is it nice? re- reschedule our exorcist mm. um, to come into the studio, uh, basically at the time we were going to record, unfortunately. So, um... The studio is inaccessible for basically two straight days. I mean, it's a bi- but, it's a biannual exorcism. You would think that whoever was scheduling it would know not to schedule it on recording day. Just, yeah, just I, to- I, I, I no, I already told you. I already told you they they had a conflict. I'm sorry. Uh huh. And this was the but, only day. Yeah. Well, at least we didn't look at each other on the way out. That's true. I mean, the temptation's always there, but um, you know, I put the blinders on. Uh, you know, the horse <laughs> blinders. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Mitch, it's it's a sad day for all uh, Sesame fans out there. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've heard about this. I um, I have not. Could you enlighten me? No, uh, the the uh, uh, several episodes of Sesame Street have been taken off of streaming. Oh my God, are these the ones and, with the uh, controversial content? Yeah, yeah the, the the racist ones. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's so, the ones where Elmo says the N word. They accidentally <laughs> uploaded an episode of Wonder Shows in and called it Sesame Street. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so now now um, Twitter is alight with uh, with with Sesame fans. How are you? Who, how are you abreast of Sesame Twitter? <laughs> Maybe because I'm part of the Barney fandom. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do find it funny. I find it really funny that there there is a group that calls themselves Sesame fans. Yeah. Um, and and even even more important is there's actually a group of Indian Sesame Street fans who are uh, who are petitioning HBO right now to, to put the episodes back up. And um, do, do you know what they're called? What are they called? The Sesame Street Shitters. <laughs> <laughs> so I would always. Um... If I were a member of this group, I would petition to call ourselves fans of the street, right? That so- <laughs> sounds a little more respectable. Sounds sounds harder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it pays homage or homage rather to the the fans of the seed on the bagel to avoid confusion. Because I uh, I think they have both claimed. Jewish creations too. Really? So yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the the bagel, Sesame Street. What, what do bagels have to do with the Jews? No, are you serious? Yeah. They're Jew- the Jews made, like, Jewish people made bagels. You're thinking of matzah. No. Yeah, look. No. Look at a bagel. It is perfectly leavened. It's it's perfect. <laughs> it, it couldn't be Jewish. It's perfect. It's leavened. Um, all right, it's leavened. All right, all right, whatever. Look. Leaven I- is a Jewish surname, by the way. No, not Levin, Levin de. Yeah, I know. Hmm. Uh. Uh. 
Um, you made me lose my train of thought. Anyway, actually, yeah. So, yeah, the all important um, thing you were about to say. <laughs> adjacent to this, which I just found out before we got on mic. Um, I, I was I was on Twitter again, <clears throat> and I was I was watching this this Asian American woman's video, um, Kelly Yang, right? Okay, and she was she was um. She was talking. She was like fake crying. Is she related about to how, Andrew Yang? Um, distantly maybe, but uh, <laughs> um, she was she was doing this fake crying thing. She's she's a children's book author. Oh, and she was doing this fake crying thing on Twitter where she was talking about how Barnes and Noble is now accepting considerably fewer um children's book publications. Okay, every month or something. Um, which, I mean, I, I think, I think the, the lesson we all need to learn here is that no one gives a shit about children's media. And, and if you create it, um, you're probably an idiot. Well, we, we like to rag on, um, literature all the time. Mm -hmm. And we do rag on it. We do. And I, I feel like that children's literature has an even lower bar because, you know, we said before anybody can can write if you're literate, um, not yeah. not write well, but anybody can write, and so there's already a, a perceived low barrier to entry, and then the perceived barrier to entry to children's books has got to be even lower because wow, it's way lower. I don't have to write. I don't have to write that much. I just make it rhyme. I mean, like, what 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 is is the kid gonna go write a fucking Yelp review or something? <laughs> the kid's Goodreads account. Yeah, right, right. There you go. Yeah, Goodreads. Yeah. <laughs> so I imagine I, I did not like the syntax of this book. That's uh, that's just normal Goodreads reviews. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I imagine there's just a lot of uh bad children's authors I mean, fighting for they space. Don't even, they don't even necessarily need to be bad either. It's just there's no way that we need that many kids' books. No, no, right? but I'm sure that there is a. Uh... I mean, I'm sure there's bad one. Well, I'm no, sure I, not that. But what I mean, I'm sure there is something that distinguishes a good children's author specifically from a bad one, like a skill set yeah, sure. that that breeds success. So I, I, you know, those people have their skill and they've honed it and whatever. And I'm sure all these other retards are just making their lives more difficult. But you're right; nobody really cares. Who parents? aren't going to read the book first to see if it's good enough for their kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to note in this case that uh, this Kelly Yang uh, fella is um, decrying the decrying. Uh, the uh, lack of representation that, that Barnes & Noble now faces in not choosing her book, <clears throat> her children's picture book about... Um, uh, Asian American children. Oh, I thought you were going to say there weren't any retarded authors represented. <laughs> well, okay, and 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 here's the here's the fun bit. I haven't gotten to the punchline yet. Oh, um, this is supposed to be funny. I see. <laughs> no, it's not funny. Well, it's funny, but it's not funny. Um, she she then she then. Um, puts her child on camera at Barnes and Noble, um, and I, I haven't watched that bit with sound because I don't care. But she's like yelling at the camera, this child, uh, and she's um, very obviously uh, half white. Ah, uh, 
Oh, no. No, my Asian masculinity. <laughs> that, uh, that always gets me. We always like that. Um, particularly annoying to us because we are both Asian. Yes. But what are you going to do? You know? What are you going to do? It's, um, I've lived through a lot worse racial injustice in my life. Mm. You know, back during the, uh, the Shogunate era. <laughs> yeah. You were in Nam, too. Exactly. So, I know what it's like, and I'm not going to let this phase me, but it does, it does get a little shake of the head. <laughs> little shake of the head, a little post on Reddit. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. A little seethe, a little cope. <laughs> And we're we're back in time for dinner. <laughs> so I, uh, I I I pulled out from from the attic uh, my son's old uh, Digiman. Oh yeah, you know that's, these things. That's a digital man, right? It's yeah, it's a little little. Well, they call it a man, but it's actually a little blob guy, a little blob fella. Now, and it, uh, is this is this beeps. is this like a like like a Timagachi? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Okay. Um, I know they both poop, I and I know they both poop because I, yeah, I uh, was woken up by uh, by this thing shitting itself for like four hours. I can relate. And every time it shit itself, it would beep. I can relate to this. Uh, back in the nineties and early knots, as it were, my daughter, my young daughter at the, at the time, had some of mm. those. Some of those, I don't know if they were the Digiman or the Timagachi or what. The but Tims. Yeah, the Tims. She had two of them, and she would go <laughs> off to school, and one day the school said, we're banning these things, they're disruptive, they're loud, they beep, we can't have them in school. Oh, that was, that was, they, they, they banned Tims back in the day, huh? Yeah, they banned Tims. Wow. Which was really, really bad for her friend Timothy, but I digress. Um, <laughs> what she would do is, she said, okay, okay you know daddy i'm going to school you need to take care of these and i would just sit there you know at home or i'd be on set you know, doing whatever at work and i'd have to mm-hmm. mind the p's and q's of these stupid little digital monsters and uh right and then you know one day i i was you know she came home from school and like oh here's your here's your shit here's your little shitters she's like i don't want these anymore and they were orphaned wow yeah. Well, you know, at least at least you didn't have to go through the uh, accidentally killing it. Well, I mean, I'm a good parent. Mm. Not unlike you. Not unlike me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I well can, okay. You, you surely live the most, ex- the more exciting life out of the two of us. Because I have a Digiman. Yeah, I mean you're you're up to new and exciting things every week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like watching poker. Yeah. Or being a pirate. Yeah. The the yeah. two best uh hobbies that one could have. Yeah, they're the only hobbies. Right. Piracy and gambling. Posting on over it. Right. Uh sailing the high seas. Or the low seas, depending on your vocal range. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, I, I I interrupt the um, the podcast with a live notification 
On both of my devices, I got a notification about my weekly screen time. Mm-hmm. And my iPad averaged zero minutes of screen time per day. And wow. My iPhone averaged <laughs> nine hours and 44 minutes of screen time per day. <laughs> so, so you would say the iPad was worth it? Oh, it was definitely worth it. <laughs> <laughs> they they send me these notifications every Sunday morning, and I think it's just to make me feel bad about myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I turn those off. Some knowledge is forbidden. Like, you should not know it. The only yeah. time I want to know this knowledge is when I die and go to wherever it is I'm going to go, and there's a big book there with all the statistics of my life. That's the only what time other, I want... What other statistics are in that book? Well, like how, how many cumulative chickens I've eaten over my life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to stretch out end-to-end all the hair that I've grown, how long would it go? Um, how many, you were to stretch out... Uh... How many times I've mulliganed. It's all that stuff. <laughs> what, what statistic do you most want to know about your life? My life? Yeah. Your, your life, <clears throat> you. I like me. Um, oof, I don't know if I want to know anything about myself that I don't already know. I mean, what what is there? How how um, how many intimate partners you've had? I've been trying to track down <laughs> that number for a while. You know, you know what I would like to know. There's there's because there's something there. I would like to know how many intimate encounters I've missed out on that would have been uh, like uh, like uh, easy. You got to you know draw I mean? draw the line somewhere, right? Because if it's just something completely arbitrary, or, or, like, yeah, no, no, no. So, so okay. So, no, here's here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Is like, um, I want to know how many times I was in a building with a chick that um, or a eyed man. me up and was like, and or a man that eyed me up and was like, I want to fuck that. Okay. And then I left. You now, know what I mean? What happens if you open the book and you rifle through the pages and you find that and it's zero? Well, I know it's not zero. <laughs> it's it's at least one or two. <laughs> 1.5. Hey, hey, we're not talking about children here. Hey, oh, I mean, are we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not uh, let's not get demonetized now that our our uh, podcast is blowing up. I want to know exactly how many minutes I've spent watching YouTube mm. in my life. That's that's terrifying. Yeah, rather, I want that reflected in. Months, not in minutes. Right, sure. Um, I also want to know... Like like, like how anime is reflected in days. Yes, right. And, um, you know, eggs are reflected in palettes. Mm-hmm. And you are reflected in a mirror. Well, not me. Well, yeah. You used to be. Yeah. <laughs> the normal person. trying to make you nostalgic. <laughs> I remember mirrors... Ghastly thing. Yeah, I can say getting that getting ready in the morning is a real pain in the ass. Now, ever since my condition, my self-esteem has risen immensely. <laughs> it's sad, though. Usually, we take this time to reflect on our development, it personally. And I've had two weeks of development, and nothing's happened. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm. I've fallen off of the Shark Tank wagon. I that rose and fell very, very quickly. Um, now I just can't fucking stand it. <laughs> Gee, hey, I, I, uh, that 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 happened just as quickly as I thought it would. Yeah, <laughs> you're running a little private pool. On uh, how long that would take? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was open for business for two weeks, and then someone peed in it. You can clean that. There's chlorine. I don't feel like it. Did, did you not have any chlorine in there? Was it just a standing water? The <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> mosquitoes started hatching in there. It was it wasn't cute. Well, you just put a mosquito net on top of the pool. <laughs> so when people come out of the water, it just like clings to them and suffocates them. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. What's what's uh, what's been going on? Um, I'm trying to think of what what I've been doing. You've been watching Sesame Street Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everyone's uh, fucking favorite. Yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting is going on, huh? Yeah, it's just a, a lazy summer. Mm-hmm. Which is almost over. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it was the real summer of Redier, in a lot of ways. <laughs> That's exactly how I would describe it. I think most people would describe it that way. Um, hey, actually, so, someone said that to me the other day. Yeah, and they were like, "This this is quite the Redier summer." You told me the story. It was just the clerk at the uh, the Starbucks. Somebody who doesn't even know the show. They yeah. were they were just using the term it's, Redier. It's becoming a phenomenon. A phenom. A phenotype. No, a phenom is in like the uh, the type of you know nom that is exuded that when people smell. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't okay me. <laughs> I do like how your first um, your, the first example that comes to mind is is a Starbucks clerk because you're so obsessed with Starbucks. I am drinking it right now, but I want mm -hmm. you to know that that's not an example. That's a real story that you told me. <laughs> right, sure, but I told you I told you at least a half a dozen people who told me that. Well, you know, 13 one way, half a dozen the other. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see, um, I don't, I, I keep wanting to take Baker's Dozen. It's cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> Have I ever seen it? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> With Steve Martin. Yeah, and, and and his surname, I think, was Baker. Yes. In that. Yes. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about Steve Martin. I'm never sure exactly how funny he is or is not. Because mm -hmm. he seems like a very talented comedian, but at times, when you watch his stand-up, it's just, this is not good. And then other times it is, and I, I, I don't know what he's capable of. Yeah, you have to wonder how much of it is unintentional. Right. But he did that 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 King Tut song. You ever hear that? No. It was and don't audibly groan when I tell you this. It was an SNL thing. Ugh. That's what I told you not to do. But um, it was actually like a really really good, funny and actually topical song. And it's weird to call it topical because it was about you know this centuries dead Egyptian guy. But rest assured, it was topical. And mm. and that was funny. He's had some appearances on Carson. 
that were funny. I mean, you remember we used mm-hmm. to watch Carson back in the day. We did, yeah, yeah. That was wow. That was uh, that was that was back when we were cute, right? Uh, back when Carson was cute too. Now he's dead. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. But uh, I liked what was that movie, The Jerk? Yes, he was in that, but I've not seen it. Uh, it was it was a good one. I liked that one. All right, hold on. Let me um read you the official soundtrack for Cheaper by the Dozen. Actually, you know what? Can you start with um, just his Wikipedia page and read the entire thing, and that'll be the podcast? Sure. Um, <laughs> no, let, let me hear what's the soundtrack. So, uh, actually, let's uh, let's play a game. I'll t- read the title. These are all pop songs. I'll read the title of the song, and you have to tell me what band or artist uh, made it. Okay. I'm Just a Kid. Um... I know the song. I don't. I don't know what the band is. Simple plan. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Help! Exclamation point. The the Beatles. Yes, but it was performed by Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> no. <laughs> in too deep. In too deep. I don't. I don't know who that is either. Incorrect. Some forty-one. Okay. All right. Now we got the curveball. What Christmas should be? Uh, <clears throat> um, Avril Lavigne. I'll give you want a hint. Mm-hmm. Think Disney Channel. Oh, uh, what year was this? Uh, two thousand three. Two thousand three. Disney Channel in two thousand three. <sighs> Fucking hell. Um, you're gonna kick yourself when you hear it. That's so Raven. No, Hillary Duff. Oh, jeez, of course. She's she's still like almost relevant. I guess. All right, here's one. Life is a highway. I don't know who that is. Well, I was hoping to get you because Rascal Flatts recorded a version of this song for the movie Cars. <laughs> However, that was a cover, and this one is the original by somebody named Tom Cochran. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. Next one. Rock and Robin. Why would you think I've seen fucking cars? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it, it's gonna it's gonna be some like fucking twelve year old, isn't it? No, no, no. I don't know. Michael Jackson. Oh. And the last one. Rocking around the Christmas tree. I don't even know who did that. I don't know who does. I don't know any of these people. Well, you've really lost the cheaper by the dozen soundtrack game. <laughs> well, uh, that was it was written by Johnny Marks, but this performed this version was performed by somebody named Brenda Lee. Okay, do you think she was Asian? Uh, she was not. Her birth name is Brenda May Tarpley. Oh, she, oh, she May Tarpley. Yeah. Brenda May Tarpley, Devil May Cry. <laughs> well, that just exposed how little I know about Sum 41. That uh, exposed how little you know about Cheaper by the Dozen, because apparently um, Hilary Duff was in this movie. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she was, wasn't she? She mm-hmm. was, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's something. Hillary, Hillary Duff was, was a piece 
Here's a here's just a blurb on the Wikipedia article. The Rotten Tomatoes yeah. critical consensus criticized the film for its lack of humor. <laughs> which is quite the death knell for a comedy. <laughs> Holy fuck. Alright, what about Cheaper by the Dozen 2? Uh, Alright, let's load up that one. So, there's... I don't know where the film goes from here. Do they have 13 more children or what? But, <laughs> um... So, let's see. Uh, Eugene Levy and Carmen Electra join the cast. Mm-hmm. It tells the story of the Baker family as they go on a vacation and contend with a rival family. So, the stakes are high. Now, are they also a dozen? That's a good question. It would appear so. <laughs> Hold on, let me, let me count here. One, two, three, oh yeah, four, you know nine, what? Because I, I think like Hillary, Hillary Duff, if she's in that one, I think she like tries to bang like one of the kids from the other family or something. Yeah, it's like a Romeo Juliet situation. I think that. Yeah, sure. Actually, this this other family has eight kids, which means that they're outmanned and outmaneuvered. <laughs> they really couldn't. They really couldn't have gotten another four kids. That's, uh, I don't think Four Kids was connected to this. <laughs> God damn it. Alright, uh, let's read the critical consensus here. A sequel to a remake, Cheaper 2 wastes its solid cast in scenes of over-the-top, predictable humor. Which, okay. it concedes that it has humor this time, so. <laughs> it does. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film one of its rare positive reviews, awarding it three out of four stars. What? Yeah. I I really can't get a handle on what Ebert's taste in films was. Well, by this time, like half of his body had shut down, right? <laughs> Maybe all his brain was in his jaw. It's possible. He it was he had like Stephen Hawking syndrome. But without you the know, the intellect. Did you know that there was a Second Cheaper by the Dozen remake in uh, this year. Yes, I saw this on the Wikipedia page. I hadn't gotten to it yet, but it does exist. <laughs> but you were going to. Rest. Um, so, how do you feel about the um, the the, <laughs> the makeup of the family? <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many times we can talk about this kind of thing in one episode, <laughs> but I do have to say it's quite interesting. Oh wait, no, but you know what the the. Oh, no, because no, it doesn't work, because both, like, the parents are Zach Braff, uh-huh. and, um, I don't know what that woman's name is. Zoe Deschanel? <laughs> no, 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 the black woman. <laughs> um, and, like, half of their kids look, look mixed race, which is fine, and then, like, two or three of them just look straight up white. We're in, isn't, like, a Brady Bunch situation where it's... Two widowers bringing together. Uh, oh, maybe. I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, here we get the plot. The Bakers are a blended family. <laughs> There's something. <laughs> they stuck them in a blender. <laughs> There's something, something really gro- like gross about the term "blended family." It is. It is um, not not good. So yeah, it's 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 almost like. Nah, never mind. When when I saw Zach Braff, I assumed it was the kid from the high school musical, but that's somebody else apparently. <laughs> I I one hundred percent thought the same exact thing while I was reading this. I was like, "Oh, Zach Efron's in this." 
if you're seeing Disney Channel, you're primed to think about Zac Efron. Yeah. And then and, you, you get your you know, legs we, sweeped by Zach Braff. We haven't seen Zach Braff in anything in the past 20 years, so. He was in a scrub, right? Yeah, yeah. Where uh, he he scrubbed the poop deck. That's yeah. What, that's what nurses do, right? You're right that um, they did they did divorce and and get together. It is a Brady Bunch. See, I am the cheaper by the dozen master. Lore master over here. Lore master. Um, now, going back to Steve Martin, tangentially, I feel that John Candy is overrated. Oh, come on. John Candy and um, the other fat one, Chris Farley. Okay, alright, come on. Like, oh, they died. They're so funny. Oh. You, 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 Why you did he die? Why? You cannot shit on Chris Farley. No, Chris take me. Not Chris Farley. It was it was too <laughs> early after all of his overeating and drug use. How could this happen? <laughs> Didn't Chris Farley die on like the floor of a hotel bedroom while a prostitute was like, all right, see ya? That's pretty funny. Let me look. Chris Farley death. This I, might just be like any other fat comedian. Who was that other fat guy that was like insane? He used to be um like a preacher. Um, uh, Horton Heath. Uh, Horton Heath's a what? <laughs> Loser says what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So apparently he was. Kinnison, it was Sam Kinnison, sorry. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. John, John, Chris Farley was found by his brother John in his apartment. So he wasn't in a, <laughs> he was not in a hotel with a prostitute. But I believe... All right, that might have been, that might have been someone else. Though. The speedball that killed him is the same speedball that killed Keith Moon. So somebody really needs to catch this guy. Oh. <laughs> I don't have no idea what who's Keith Moon. Keith Moon was the the drummer for the Who, who was also oh. killed by this rogue speedball. <laughs> look, look. Here's, here's Wikipedia <laughs> notable deaths attributed to speedball. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Chris Farley, John Belushi. <laughs> wow, who is this rogue pitcher? <laughs> Yeah, they just hire this hitman and he put one right between the eyes. <laughs> 95 miles an hour. <laughs> River Phoenix? <laughs> just imagining this guy at the top of a building looking through the window and just winding up a pitch. It's a, per- a perfectly <laughs> circular hole in the window. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking speedball again. <laughs> the uh, like like the, the the newspaper like rotates across the screen and like just slams against <laughs> against the camera. Speedball strikes again. <laughs> Another beloved celebrity. Gone before their time. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Hed- Hedberg is. Um, what are your thoughts on Hedberg? Now, was he the the white guy with the sunglasses or the black guy that was funny? He was the white guy with the. I guess he had sunglasses though. He he like hold the microphone like he was Michael J. Fox and. He, he did he did that thing where it's like he would talk as if like he didn't know what the next thing he was gonna say was. Well, there's two comedians I often confuse, and they're I don't even know if they're similar or not. But they're both white, so they look the same. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Mitch Hedberg and uh, Max Headroom. <laughs> yes. No. One of them says things in a completely monotone, flat uh, delivery, but both of them say just a series of one-liners for the, mm-hmm. the whole act no um, i don't know who the other guy is then uh what's yeah his jokes are really dumb he, he said something one of them was like uh hey you ever notice that you drive on a parkway and park on the driveway mm-hmm. uh, like that, that's what that's that, just, that literally could be hedberg i don't know and then the other guy is like he's really nervous all the time and he looks coked up Maybe, maybe, and he's he's like, uh, I, I used to do drugs, and I still do, and that's what he sounds like. Maybe it's the same guy, but wearing different hats, <sighs> different skin suits. <laughs> he says he's a skinwalker. <laughs> I mean, both... uh, sorry, was <laughs> right before Speedball got him. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe this uh, this picture assassin is just killing skinwalkers. <laughs> oh god, um, but it wouldn't make sense that he's a skinwalker because both of his attempts at at appearing human were uh, <laughs> less than perfect. <laughs> Not all there, um, dude. I, I don't, I don't know how you don't like Farley. He's funny. Oh man, if if you like Farley, then. For the rest of the podcast, I can just scream really loud, <laughs> and you'll love it. What about the bit where he he he, he uh, walked in in up on stage and then threw the guy in the dumpster and then did cartwheels? That's good. I, I like re- that. I like the one where he's wearing a suit that's just too tight for him because he's so large. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really funny. How about um, his funny dance where he didn't have a shirt on? Oh, that's really good. He and he was next yeah. to that attractive guy, but he wasn't so attractive mm-hmm. himself. Right. Yeah, genius. Uh, I, I especially or when he when he was going to do Shrek. That was good. I especially liked when he uh, cameoed in that Adam Sandler movie. That was really mm-hmm. funny. That one, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Comedic genius, Chris Farley. Gone too soon. Damn you, Speedball. <laughs> uh, I don't know where all this comedian hates coming from. Who's who's your least favorite comedian? Who, if you could kill one comedian. I mean, do I have to Personally. do it? Or could I just hire Speedball? No, you have to do it. Oh, well. You, you can do it any way you want. Enjoy it any way you want. Who would you kill? I, I struggle to give an answer to this question that's not um, trite. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, it's very easy like, to like, like Like Jeff Dunham? Jeff Dunham, <laughs> Rob Schneider, um, George, yeah. George Lopez. But... Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's it, it is tough because like there's there's comedians that are like offensive just because they're so. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but they're not like actually offensive. They're just they are they themselves are trite. I, nothing against him, but I I might choose John Mulaney just for the fallout. 
<laughs> and and because he impregnated uh, Olivia Munn, which is um, offensive to me. Yeah, we hate that. Yeah, I guess not. Not, okay, not because it's race mixing, but because I wanted to do that. Wait, what race is Olivia Munn? Isn't she like Asian or something? I don't know. Isn't she? Isn't John Mulaney Asian? <laughs> Hold on, now I need to know. I thought she was like Asian or something. Asian or something. Well, she's obviously very like nondescript in in her racial profile. Um, early life, Asian. No, she's she's German, Irish, and English. I thought she. Oh no 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 no. Her mother is of Chinese ancestry. So there we go. Yeah, she is Asian. Is that the one drop rule in effect? And she. Yeah. <laughs> and and. Might I add, she used to be hot. What about now? She's okay now. See, that's that's the Mitch Hedberg joke. Oh, she used to be hot. She still is, but she used to be too. <laughs> she was on a she was on Attack of the Show, which was a garbage TV program. Is that a Japanese uh, G Four TV? Uh, well, it was it was Japanese coded, oh. but uh, it was it was on G Four TV after they'd. Uh, cannibalized tech TV. All right, and, well, and turned it into a walking corpse. Let me amend my answer. I would kill Kevin Pereira. Who's Kevin Pereira? You're look, man. You don't reference Attack of the Show if you're not ready to play. Oh, that ball. guy. Yeah. He's not a comedian, though, is he? Like, you're counting him as a comedian? Well, no, but I'd still kill him. <laughs> I, I I remember hating him. Um viscerally just because he because attack of the show basically at least it felt that way at the time replaced um the fuck was that show where like guys would like mess with computers um wait i astoundingly something in the annals of my memory is <laughs> is coming back here what was yeah, that it show? was it was on tech tv and they would do like computer repair and like reviews on hardware and shit I need to know now. We're looking this up live. <laughs> um, computer the show. Screensavers. Okay. Screensavers, that's it. Yes, it, it felt very much like Attack of the Show replaced screensavers. And I was very mad about that. I um only really liked reviews on the run. Judgment Day. <laughs> Which one's the Canadian version? Oh, uh, well, you know. Look. There were only two shows I watched religiously, okay? Okay. Screensavers and Raw Time. Raw Time. Raw Time. Raw Time. Now, never got it. That would be you. a That should be a podcast. We'll we'll just we'll watch Raw Time. We'll commentate as if we're on the show. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll do like a like a Raw Time fanfic episode where like one of us is um, the the chick, and the other person is the people calling in. We've done that role play before, <laughs> privately. Yeah, but that, this time we can make some money off of it. That's true. I do think that a uh, a raw time esque format is the end game of podcasting. Bring it all the way back to radio. 
<laughs> I mean, it should be. It, it was the funniest shit ever. It was. Uh, it probably wouldn't. It probably wouldn't be funny now because what made that stuff funny was uh, the relative uh, inaccessibility mm. and the, I guess, tangentially, pretty much the same thing is the the small viewer base. You know, there's a number of things. the The lack of consequences, so people would just literally say anything. Yeah, the, sure, uh, that, that too, yeah. How the hosts never paid any mind to anything that someone told them. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it has to be on both sides of the field. You need people to be able to call in and threaten to rape somebody, and you also need the, uh, the person being threatened to just have it roll off their back, because it doesn't matter. Well, and... it's also not, it's not so bad if they do react, though, if, they get, if, if the host gets really mad. Because sometimes that is hilarious. Like you had, um, we even had that with Tom Green. Do you remember his show? Yeah, the Tom Green Files. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. That's uh, no, that's that's what they call people attracted to Tom Green. <laughs> but yeah, he had people calling into his. I mean, he was he was doing podcasts before anyone, I think, basically, or like live shows on the internet. And he had people calling into his show constantly, telling him like he was like gay or whatever. But didn't he get angry about it? He got really angry about it. Like, how do you, how do you, how, how? I don't, I don't know if that don't was know. his bit, but Tom Green. It might have been a bit. It had to have been, because he, he seems pretty, I don't want to say heady, but intentional about the, the comedy that he does. And yeah, sure. It seems to me you can't start an enterprise like that without knowing that this is exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm can't start a, a voyager yeah. like that either right um i started watching enterprise no you started watching a youtube video about it no no i went and watched one episode i'll have you know i went how was it it was yeah, i started watching <laughs> the, the first episode of season four which is the last yeah. season nice that's that's a great place to start or maybe it was season I... three i watched the one where they introduced a um an alien uh, government of different mammoids. Is this is this that Nazi one that you're t- talking about? And that happens later, but so okay. the core enemy of one season of Enterprise is a um, a coalition of alien species that all evolved on the same planet. And there's like a like a mm-hmm. like a bugs, a fishes, a mammals. Um, a trees and a birds and they all have a birds uh, and the bees birds and the bees they all have a say in the government and they're all somewhat related but different and uh they're like oh my god oh, so they have like a functioning society you're right and it's up to voyager to, to, to destroy them <laughs> voyager um enterprise <laughs> uh but yeah, I just couldn't really get get into the ca- the cast, the crew of Enterprise. Well, while while we're here thematically, other this than episode, Scott Dracula, <laughs> while we're here thematically this episode, uh, the Asian chick is pretty hot. Not, no, not really. No, she's she's okay. What are you talking about? What do you mean, not really? I, what do you mean? Hey, what do you mean? Have you seen she, her? She's not. She's not, she's not like stunning, but she's cute. She's just like an average actress woman. You know, she's not ugly. She's 
She's better than the better looking than the average person, but not exceptionally smarter than the average bear. Smarter than the average bear, but not exceptionally beautiful, <laughs> especially compared to other actresses. Mitch, Mitch, come on! You see what we get in Star Trek usually. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about that. Um, what is her name? That that Jane Milgrew, Mildew, Mildew. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for for saving me. <laughs> I do have to note too that um, Enterprise, I think, is widely considered to be worse than Voyager. Yeah, I mean, I can buy that. Did you know? Do you know what the opening theme is to that? Hey, I was just about to bring this up. <laughs> I heard it for the first time, and um, it's something. I did a double take. <laughs> Oh god, that was that was a almost a weirder time for Trek than now. Like it's bad now, but like Enterprise was almost I don't even know if I want to say worse, but it was incredibly misguided in its own way. Yeah. It's uh oh boy. I to me it's a part of the uh, the growth of, I don't know, the C- CW, UPN, whatever it was at the time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Where they have all these... I Actually, in that, that documentary, that YouTube video I was watching. Documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Oh, you, you, you stole this opinion from it, basically, is what you're saying. No, this isn't an opinion. This is just a piece of information. <laughs> it's a cold, uh, hard fact. It's a cold, hard fact. So they were... They realized that the core audience of the network was teenage girls... Oh, and okay. they wanted Trek to kind of push towards that. So network executives who were making suggestions to the show um, said, oh, there's a, there's like that, that mess hall canteen bar right on the ship where they eat mm-hmm. food. What if we had a band playing there every week, every episode, and it would be a different hot new band will get the hottest they don't they don't they don't actually do this they don't do that but that was a suggestion from the oh okay okay i thought you were like baiting me for a minute no 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 no. (laughs) you know when i'm baiting you this isn't bait (laughs) and then there was a follow-up story about how at one point the producers rick berman and some other guy were pitching an episode to the executives maybe they were pitching the season like all the stories that were going to be in that season and in one of Mm. the synopses of one of the episodes rick berman's talking about like oh there's this problem on the hull of the ship and these members of the crew they go out there and they have to do this thing to repair the hull and for whatever reason it's the core hook of the episode and blah 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 blah. so the the executives are all listening and he gets to the end of his pitch and they're like okay that sounds good but i have one question um what is a hull <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. That's that's who you, that's who you want to be uh, answering to. Oh yeah, and it was amazing because it made me have sympathy for Rick Berman, of all people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's incredible. But I guess you know it probably does reflect <clears throat> the audience. You know, it, indeed What's a it does. What what is a hole? Uh, how about Smallville? How about that show? Huh? <laughs> now that was Superman, right? I was Superman. Yeah. Do you want me to say something else about it? No, no. It's just, it's just stupid. It's a stupid idea. 
Now, the spirit of Smallville lives on. There's like a, a show about Flash, right? These days? Oh, yeah. There's a ton of that garbage. What if Flash was a teenage guy? What if Superman was a teenage guy? <laughs> well, no. They, they have like a, like a uh, genuine um, Superman on TV nowadays. On the news? Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like um, the the CW stuff is like its own like DC universe. Basically, they got all the guys. They got like the the Bat Girl and the Supergirl and the Superman and all that stuff. Now, does this connect to DC Fontana? Uh, fortunately, not. No. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't give a shit about this superhero stuff. I care about the real superheroes, the uh our nurses and our teachers and uh and especially our fine police officers. Yeah, and especially our masked crime fighting vigilantes with their superpowers that keep us safe at night. They're the real superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we got a question of the week. Um, do we do that before the break or after the break? We Yeah, we do it before. We okay. do it before. I've only done this 70, 80 times. <laughs> so this week's question of the week comes from one Galileo Galilei who asks, Hello, Admirals. Who do you think is the greatest villain in all of Star Trek? Eternally, ready, early, ready, and yours, Gigi. Well, Gigi, that is that is a good question. There's a lot to choose from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, there's geez, there's uh, there's, basically one per episode. There's many right answers and one wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with. If I had to choose, I would say the socialism. That creates a constant conflict with the uh, the Ferengi's capitalism and prevents the mm-hmm. two from living in peace. Right, right, right. As a uh, an established DS Nine viewer, I'm sure you're very sympathetic to the to the Ferengi's uh, political ideology. Indeed, I am. There's one thing I uh, love: it's Ferengi centered episodes. But, but. I do hear you because we've discussed this several times. It's uh, definitely some kind of hellscape going down on the, uh, the the lower levels of Earth. Indeed, where the uh, the depth grovelers live in caves, stuff, My, um, mining salt for the masses. Yeah, I would say my favorite villain is the tar that killed Yar. The tar that killed Yar. That's that's a good answer. Um, the implications of that are really far-reaching. I mean, you could write a book on it. The tar that I killed... did write the book on it. Yeah, they didn't put it in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Even though when you look at the cover and see the representation there, it's it's unbelievable. The tar monster representation. I'm I'm just gonna say it. It, there's nothing. If you think the Borg are the best villains, you are stupid. 
You're dumb. You're dumb. And it's not just because Voyager ruined everything about the Borg ever. And not everything. P- Picard picked up some of those pieces. Oh, that's true. And ruined them. Good, good for Picard. But oh, they're gonna, they're gonna assimilate me. No, <laughs> no, I don't want to be assimilated. Yeah. Oh, well, don't put me into the assimilator. My weapons are useless. No. Big, big deal. <laughs> how, how about how about the Borg? But um, instead of assimilating you, they retard you. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the Packlids. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Who I, well, might, I might add were a better villain than the Borg. <laughs> uh, lore, lore escaped relatively unscathed. That's true. He led a uh, a band of Borg. A band of Borg. What did they play? Ah, uh, jizz mainly. <laughs> Kiss covers. <laughs> um, Nine Inch Nails music. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any other good villains in Star Trek. I mean, there are good villains, but it's like... Is Q a villain? From a certain point of view. Q, by the way, is another thing ruined by Voyager. Mm-hmm. Q and his child. Yeah, every time Q shows up in Voyager, it's... Let's let's make him look just more powerless and inept. And uh, kill the whole reason people are interested in Q. Well, coincidentally, that's another thing Picard also did. Well, they literally killed Q. They, they literally killed him. He's just fucking dead. <laughs> Picard hugged him. He was like, I've always loved you, Q. How old is John DeLancey? Uh, well, it's probably 70-something, right? He seems to have aged better than Picard. Picard. Much Patrick better. Stewart. Well, well, Patrick Stewart, I think, was older than he's, several people on the cast. Certainly, he's probably 10 years older than than John DeLancey, but um, I don't know. Patrick Stewart's yeah, looked old for a long time. Yeah, John DeLancey's seventy-four. Yeah, he looks he looks good. And he does. He looks great, and he sounds good too. He does. I mean he 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 looks better now than he did back then. Yes, he really grew into his uh, weird clown-like appearance. <laughs> And, uh, you know, af- after his experience in the My Little Pony fandom, he's, he's really come into his own. Yes. Now, here's the thing. The Dominion in Deep Space Nine is truly the most compelling villain the series has had. Wait, there are minions in Deep Space Nine? Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they serve Gru. So... What does Gru taste like? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of my cookbook to serve Gru. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? The, the Dominion and Deep yes. Space Nine. So it's in a way they're they're very much like the Borg in that their whole shtick is bringing uh, civilizations into their collective. But it the fact that they those the people that they bring into the Dominion retain their uh, personality, agency, uh, mm-hmm. 
makes it more interesting because there's a lot of turns in the plot of that show where different species and planets will join or turn against the Dominion as as the plot sees fit. And um, a lot of political intrigue. Whereas with the Borg, mm. it's just like, well, you're assimilated. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, political intrigue is always good. That's what Deep Space Nine has in fucking spades. No other Trek show really has that much political intrigue. Especially when mm-hmm. they're all fucking episodic. Ugh. You joke. Episodes. You joke, but the serialized nature of Deep Space Nine added so much to that show. Every every Star Trek season from now on should just be like uh, like a 12-hour-long episode. No, no, no. You know that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen to this. Delancey has become an outspoken secular activist and was a featured speaker at the 2016 Reason Rally and CSICon 2019. CSICon um, standing for the... Um, Crime Scene on, Investigation? Committee for Skeptical Inquiry Convention. And what do you think they talk about? Uh, themselves, mostly. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody everybody has a cause in their life. You might as well take up the one that's most popular with your fan base. <laughs> like like Bill Nye has, has talked at this thing. I'm sure he had a lot to say. Something that uh, really um, was revelatory to the attendees. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he brought like a block of ice with him or something. <laughs> They all watched it melt. <laughs> and they put a noose in the room and they had to figure out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> so, in a, in a way, the secular society, the uh, the CSI, is the greatest villain in Trek. That's... <laughs> Can't argue with that. Actually, um, actually, you know, you know, one, one second. Yeah. Uh, no one's gonna see this because I'm gonna send it to you uh, visually. But um, this is uh, the staff at CSI Con 2019. All right, I'll, I'll make an attempt to describe it for. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on. I think. <laughs> oh no. I don't know where you, where you think I'm going with this. But I think I know <laughs> that guy on the very back right. <laughs> and I'm not going to say from where, because it's, this, is, this is a public podcast. But <laughs> this is somebody that we've talked about. <laughs> and I'll tell you more after the break. <laughs> okay <laughs> but sp- speaking of secularism i do want to point out the uh the difference in um attitudes towards religion between tng and deep space nine because mm-hmm. by, by the point of deep space nine there's a lot of episodes where they um depict the the lead characters as as uh outwardly tolerant of the Bajoran religion that play, okay. plays a big role in a in a lot of parts of the series. Um, oh, so it's like they're they're they 
are not necessarily pro religion, but are less um, less judgmental than uh, than the, the typical TNG episode. Exactly. Um, so yeah, one one episode of Deep Space Nine centers around uh, Keiko O'Brien opens a school on Deep Space Nine because there isn't one. No, that sounds like a great episode. Oh, it's it's great, but um. <laughs> She starts teaching about the wormhole that is the that the space station is next to, and oh, I'd I'd love for her to teach me about the wormhole. You know, she takes it from a scientific perspective, but the Bajorans believe that it's a uh, a religious temple that their gods live in, and they live inside the mm-hmm. wormhole. So one of the Bajoran priests shows up and is like, "Oh, you're not teaching the Bajoran perspective," and you know, it's a stand-in for the the evolution thing. But sure, yeah. Um, Cisco's son attends that school, and they have a talk later in the episode. And Cisco is like, "Well, you know, it's uh, it's not stupid to believe that. Um, it's good to respect other people's beliefs. Blah blah blah. This is like a tolerant stance, and mm-hmm. that's very out of line with what uh, the attitude established in in TNG. Yeah, um, where." Like, if that was TNG, Riker would walk in and be like, are you a fucking idiot? And, like, just slap him. There's Who Watches the Watchers. Picard is, uh, they think he's a god, the Picard. And he's like, I don't want to send these people back to the yeah, dark yeah. ages believing about gods. We are a, uh, we're a pro-Christian podcast. Well, that's why um, I like Deep Space Nine so much, is that it respects my beliefs. Right, right, right. Well, it's less a belief and more that we we can be easily killed with a stake through the heart. Right. Well, I mean, it's you're right. It's not so much of a of a belief when you are around to witness it. Mm. You know. That's that's true. Look, I'm just gonna say this: Pontius Pilate, alliterative Asshole. name, Mitchell Mel's alliterative name. Coincidence. Hmm. Second identity? Who knows? <laughs> Alright, so well, if you're like uh, Galileo Galilei and you would like to send us a question of the week, you can email us. Also at- also an alliterative name, sorry. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what does that, that mean? I th- I'm just, I think the same person who's behind... The readier room and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ might be behind the writing of this question. It could be. could be that, yeah. But if you're like them and you want us to answer your question on our question of the week segment, email us at room at gmail.com, DM us on Twitter at the readier room, or hit us up on Reddit at readier room. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with an episode of TNG in a minute. And we're back back at it again we're back we're back we're back yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking we're back back um, back in red i subscribed to paramount plus yeah well that's that's uh, good i subscribed to paramount minus we have balance mm, wow we match (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so so i had the privilege of watching the next generation via streaming on paramount plus and uh i'm happy to report that it looks fucking awful yeah, it's bad. Wait until you uh, watch DS9 on streaming. Mm-hmm. That looks fucking mm-hmm. terrible. Well, like I said, I'll probably just procure the DVDs. 
I've been really enjoying these upscaled videos. Yeah, they're nice. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess I guess the one thing we can rely on is that eventually, you know, the next decade or so, the AI is just going to be so good it'll just upscale everything itself. Hell yeah. I want AI to do everything so that there's no opportunity left for people to have work. Mm, mm. You know, uh, Disney made a movie about that. Yeah? Toy yeah. Story? Yeah, actually, yeah. How'd you know? Oh, I've seen Toy Story. I, I've in, the... I've taken its themes in like a sponge. When people ask me what's my favorite post-apocalyptic film, yeah, I say Toy Story. See, I always say The Road. I um, ah, never mind. You ever see that movie with John Goodman? Yeah, the uh, Speed Racer. No, the post-apocalyptic one. Uh, sixty-nine Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. But then, you know, quick aside, I I am going to start referring to movies as one of two categories: post-apocalyptic or pre-apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, that's that pre-apocalyptic film, isn't it? That's how I talk about Schindler's List. <laughs> But having um, John Goodman play a a crazy sex maniac who keeps people trapped in his trailer is the most true-to-life casting I've ever seen. It's pretty perfect. Uh, he looks exactly like the kind of person who would do that. Right. Especially... Well, not anymore, I guess. He's not fat anymore, really. No, no, but he's still timid and um, antisocial. Sure. I remember seeing a clip of him in uh it was on saturday night live and it was one of those bits where the host is talking and people in the audience are heckling him but it's just a bunch of famous people they do this bit a lot for some reason and um right. john goodman stands up and john goodman who is just incredibly shy and introverted i don't know why he agreed to do this but he stands up and just starts mumbling just <laughs> under his breath <laughs> And yeah, obviously there's a script, so the guy doesn't really need to hear him, but he's just incomprehensible, and he's like looking at his feet, and uh, it was bizarre. <laughs> I'm gonna have to see this later. It's good, it's good. And he was still fat at the time, which makes it funnier. Right, of course. Being fat makes everything funnier. Right, well, I mean, it's just like a fat kid to have no self-esteem, right? Very sure. Uh, well, we better stop talking about that. We're gonna offend our audience. Well, John, may you may you find your worth in the waking world. Your worther, 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 worther. So, uh, final mission. Final mission. It's the bit final mission. A bit of a misnomer, isn't it? Because it's certainly not the final mission. Yeah, I was surprised to see there was another episode after this. Let alone three yeah. three and a half seasons worth. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think we were thinking of ending it here. It's well, you, you have to remember how these things were uh, handled at the time. You you wouldn't look online on Netflix and see a whole list of titles. You would flip into your TV guide. Mm. You would see just for this week, final mission. You know, Tuesday night, eight o'clock. You say, "Wow, it's the final mission," because you didn't know it was coming next week. 
Right. It could have been done. We could have ended it. We could have ended it. We should have ended it. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, if not that, we should have just kept calling every new episode the final mission. Final error mission? The... <laughs> <laughs> and then uh then someone on reddit would get mad that there's too many episodes called the final mission <laughs> Hell, stop naming it that stop calling it that you you really shouldn't i like to imagine that guy thought readier was a typo <laughs> um yeah i i it, 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 do we want to continue no nah, never mind we, we, we'll Never mind. Final mission. Final mission. Um, all right. Uh, this episode is for the first like 10, 15 minutes, I think really good. Uh, and then I fell asleep. So I think that's a, that's a more attributable to your alcohol intake. Than it is to the to the episode's <laughs> content. <laughs> but yeah, more about your blood alcohol content than the than the script's content. Hey. More about my dad's Google search history. Yes. Uh, you you could you couldn't see right now, but I I shot a dirty look around the corner. <laughs> uh, do, I, do you disagree? Yes, actually. Um, I thought I don't think this episode is great. But I did like a lot of what happened in it, especially uh, in the midpoint and later on throughout the entire episode. Mm. Really, I don't. I don't think it petered off all that much. Um, did you like? Um, did you like when Wesley is sitting next to Picard as as Picard is dying, and um, he looks? I swear to God, right right at the camera for about five minutes, and he explains the plot of an entire previous episode and then his his entire character motivation. Do you like that part? Yeah, I thought that was really subtle. Yeah. Did you like the part? That was, that was cool. Did you like the part where Picard lays out an arrow, pointing out where they're going to go in case <laughs> somebody finds them, and then they just take off in another direction entirely? <laughs> <laughs> I just um look. Even if this, even if even if we take it as a given that the character stuff going on here is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. It's not a character I care about. So, I, I, right? Sure, yes, it is centered on Wesley, but I think that there's enough coming from Picard to make it endearing. Like it. It kind of mm. centers on this father son relationship. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, yeah. But I wish, and I don't mean this in a way that I, I wish it was beating us over the head with it. But I do wish there was more, more from Picard. Is a little more balanced. Yeah. Maybe a little more like, before he gets taken out of the action. I don't think he needed to even be taken out of the action the way he was. I, th- I think I think it was kind of annoying for him to be um, on the brink of death for pretty much the entire episode. I didn't like that at all. Why? Well, because it almost serves no purpose because, you know, he tells... So you think this is leading up to, he tells Wesley, okay, you're going to have to man up and tell this guy to not get both of you killed or whatever. Um, and then Wesley proceeds to just not do that. Right. And and then not, there's no consequence to it. <laughs> um, 
and and then he's just sitting next to Picard and it's like, oh, you know, I they're both like, I I never told you this, but I've always loved you. But they could easily do that with Picard not being like a ticking time bomb or like and, and, and you know me, I, I just don't like ticking clocks. I, I don't I, they stress me out. And maybe that's my problem. But I, I don't find Picard's even that aside, I don't find Picard's predicament useful to the plot of the episode. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I know your disdain for ticking clocks. That's why we switched to digital clocks in our home. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I just I couldn't stand the sound. Yeah, but you're. I guess I hadn't thought about this in that way. Wesley doesn't grow in a in a novel way here. He just solves a problem with his scientific ingenuity like he he always does yeah (laughs) it was it was almost like a callback right which to be fair they haven't gone back to that well so much in episodes leading up to this right they kind of left that behind right right but they did literally they literally went to a well in this episode right and uh we saw how (laughs) well that worked out for them But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's not like overbearing or whatever. I, I don't no, think the way it's not, the conflict was solved is bad. It's not overbearing, but it's it, it doesn't accomplish anything. Like I, you're, what you're saying is is uh, really resonating with me right now. It's like I enjoyed mm. it, but it would have been a lot better had it shown a novel growth for Wesley. For example, yeah, yeah. if he was able to uh, make an effective partnership with um what's his face durgo durgo then that would have uh i don't know maybe foreshadowed his ability to be a leader at starfleet you know because he's going sure. to the academy yeah. um whereas him just uh, soloing the uh the problem just because he's so smart oh great i mean yeah wesley's capable but he's always been that capable sure sure yeah and I, I'm inclined to agree. I don't like that Durgo off himself. Basically, um, I thought he was just the right amount of uh, kind of morally gray, sort of. I mean, I, um, I, I thought that Wesley was largely in the well, entirely in the wrong with how he dealt. He with was an Durgo. asshole. Yeah, extremely. And you would think that Wesley's development over the episode would be all right. Picard, who's this guy that I respect, is showing. Uh, he's respecting Durgo as his equal. Um, mm-hmm. I, Wesley, am disrespecting Durgo. I'm filleting Picard. But my arc <laughs> is that I'm learning to uh, this diplomacy, this this leadership ability, this pe- these people skills, whatever. You know, I'm smart, but maybe I'm not the, the charismatic person Picard is. But now I'm he's my mentor and I'm learning this from him and I'm becoming closer to Picard. And yes. I'm... And you know what? It would have been great if like, let's say for example, um, you know, they're, they're walking around looking for shit and Wesley's somehow, somehow the Wesley's disrespect for Durgo gets them into uh, a pinch, right. right? A bad situation somehow. And um, they somehow make it out. And then he and Picard have a scene alone and Picard's like on his ass, like, you know, like you, 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 do you see the way you endangered us because you, you thought you were better or that I was better or something or whatever. And then, then we kind of get the reconciliation, you know, Wesley, I've always been proud of you and stuff like that. There you go. How about that? I would have enjoyed that a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the episode just fine, but that, that is an example of how the ball was dropped and how this could have been done 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of just the problem I, I had with it. I, I don't like how basically every character except for Wesley is taken out of the action. Uh, every, and, and I, I mean, everyone, the entire cast of the show <laughs> is just gone. Uh, so I don't know. And that's, that's why I found it boring and it's not the worst episode ever. It's, I wouldn't even say it's bad, but uh, missed opportunity, wasted great. potential. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, what else is new, I guess, with this show? Right. I mean, it has a, it has the extremely compelling B-plot of <laughs> something I don't quite remember. Well, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, waste disposal. You know, we, we always wanted, um, we knew for a while that we wanted to make an environmentalist episode. Mm. Um, what we didn't know was how boring we wanted it to be. Kind of had a chance to have our cake and eat it, too, here. You know, have some exciting yeah. scenes with... Uh, <laughs> Wesley and Picard and Durgo, and then everything else just dragged. It was great. Well, 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 and and at at the peak of the episode, uh, we have we have scenes where Picard is lying on the floor groaning, and then we cut to um, the 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 Enterprise taking out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just Sunday night at my dad's house. <laughs> um. I don't necessarily hate the idea of this B plot, but it is extremely boring. There's something about it that's so fascinating to me, though, in the way that, like, oh yeah, it's it's almost slice of life. Like, <laughs> if if it didn't have that like urgency to it, like this this ship is like killing people down on this planet. Who needs that? No, the Federation just like finds a ship floating around with a bunch of nuclear waste in it and needs to find a way to throw it into the sun. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yes, but what what gets it for me is that it's entirely a contrivance. E even within the yeah, the, totally, the totally, lore yeah. of the show, it's a contrivance. This only exists so the, uh, the, the Enterprise can't go to the planet yet. You know, they have to do this <laughs> right, first. Right. You know what? You know what my favorite thing is that happened in this B plot, and this happens a lot, and I think we've talked about it, and and I'm sure you've noticed it a lot. But um, there's there's, and I can't quote this close to verbatim, but there's a part where because it's Jordy and Riker basically going back and forth. Like Jordy's the one who's putting this plan together, and Riker's the one that's like, okay, maybe we should try it this way or whatever. Jordy tells him, or he asked Riker asked Jordy something about like how fast can we go, mm -hmm. right? And then Jordy responds with some estimate. And then Riker's like, well, let's see if we can make it faster. And then Jordy's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's that's just being smart on the part of um, and the Jordy. You know, you under-promise <laughs> yeah, <right>. and over-deliver. <laughs> but that's, and and I like I said, I think we've talked about this, but that's like, too many that happens too often in like the discussions in this show where it's like well if you could have done it like that to begin with why didn't you if you could have done it faster already <laughs> this this was particularly egregious in an episode of deep space nine i was watching and you better believe yeah. this happens there too um <laughs> cisco talks to o'brien and says oh i need the this part of the defiance to be uh repaired by tomorrow morning i'm taking the ship out O'Brien says, "Sir, it's going to take at least four days," and Cisco just says, "You have twelve hours," mm -hmm. and O'Brien just says, mm -hmm. "Okay." <laughs> just, <laughs> it looks very defeated. <laughs> he always looks defeated. <laughs> yeah, it's because someone cut his feet uh, off. Ah, uh, I um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's like some kind of fetish in in this series for like um, glorifying administrators or something. Like, oh, the, the the administration needs to look good at some point. So, how about if they say, why don't we do it faster? I don't. I feel like it's the opposite in that it is glorifying the the engineers and and their grit and their hard work. It's like, oh well, you know, if they push themselves, they can accomplish anything. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But it's it's ultimately the the quote decision making from the higher ups that uh, that gets them through. <laughs> well, yeah, why, why don't we do it faster? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I never thought of that. So yeah, that that was great. And then and then they get like the thrusters on the thing and they immediately break. So really really great job, Jordy. There's like a really great mood in those scenes where something fails and everybody looks mildly inconvenienced but the stakes are are oddly high like this whole planet is going to be irradiated or killed or whatever (laughs) and data says oh the thrusters failed uh, commander and rikers kind of rolls his eyes (laughs) he's like uh tell them we're gonna be late (laughs) fine i really hate the design of these aliens with like the, the the their mouths are kind of caged in. Oh, the uh, yeah, the 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 Gamelon Five people. Yeah. Uh, Corey Corey Allen, the director, he he would have agreed with you at the time. I remember um, he asked uh, he asked makeup how these people ate mm-hmm. because it is you know it's a question it's a question that uh, very quickly comes to mind given that their mouths are uh, segmented completely by uh, what seems to be rogue patches of skin. Uh, and he has to make up this, and they just told him to fuck off. And uh, as an aside, Alan was born as Alan Cohen in Cleveland, Ohio. So there you go. I respect makeup. But uh, yeah, I the, the the aliens look. There's only one, the alien. Okay, yeah, the the alien looks. Um, <laughs> it would have looked okay if not for that stupid mouth. Yeah, it's it's very much okay. We need um, this to look unique somehow. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Mm-hmm. And uh, what if we just put a bunch of skin flaps on its mouth? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I... thankfully we saw it very infrequently, but um, it's it's and again, it's a wasted opportunity because I think a lot of what was done with the makeup for that alien was fine. It was yeah, more than serviceable. I thought it looked good, but then they get that stupid mouth. I don't know. And to be fair, how how do they eat? How do, do they, they eat? Do they just strain krill through there? <laughs> maybe maybe they just eat pudding. They get it all over the little skin flaps. Maybe the pudding is absorbed through osmosis into their skin. Maybe the pudding eats them. No, I'm eating the pudding. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we I think we got uh, pretty much everything out of the way that we want to say about the B-plot, right? Do we have anything else to say about that? Um, Crusher, Dr. Crusher. Uh, oh, yeah, there's like a woman moment. Yeah, she very clearly values Wesley's life over the entire planet, which is like, whatever, sure. Yeah. I don't, she's a mom. She's a mom. It's the hardest job. It's the hardest job in the universe. Moms are the real superheroes. Yeah. Especially, she should be the captain. Especially mo- mothers with strange mutations that let them 
do superhuman acts. <laughs> uh yeah yeah we yeah we do get a woman moment where um troy comes in um appropriately poorly acted by marina and uh reassures crusher that uh it's going to be okay and uh she puts what, like her hand on her what shoulder accent was that i don't know i can't i can't do i can't do troy's accent you gotta get in front of the mirror not look yeah, at yourself and uh <laughs> <laughs> you think i have a choice <laughs> what I've taken to doing is jumping into the shower first and then going to the mirror so I can see oh, the, yeah. the water kind of you know, outline, <laughs> outline me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll put on blackface. <laughs> I've really um the 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 Zentai body stockings I've invested in those a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just see my gut hanging out <laughs> so I, uh, I i didn't want it to be the whole body so i bought a half body stocking um mm-hmm. a hantai but then mm-hmm. it was just very much opposed to to me oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you should have your own show yeah, <laughs> your your own comedy show. You I, can be like uh, Atsugiri Jason or whatever his name is. What does that mean? He's he's the guy. He's the guy who does why Japanese people. He, he, and he does like these these puns that are like oh you know like why is Japanese so weird and incomprehensible? Is is I've never heard of this. Oh, he's on TV. You just don't watch TV. That's the problem. You're the only person who browses TV. No, 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 no television what is that he's on television so wait is he is, is he is he like a half no he's just a white dude he's like a nerdy white guy he's the exact kind of guy you would expect oh that's bad yeah he's he's well known he's on tv and stuff and he's or just, at least he used to be i don't know if he is anymore. he's just doing yellow face no 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 he he gets like um like uh what what, what do they call those what do you call a big sketchbook that stands up? Is this a riddle? <laughs> kind of. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. You know, it's like it's like one of those things that stay, uh, like uh, it's uh, a big uh, piece of paper that you draw on. It's on not an, an uh, easel, though. Yeah, on an easel, right? So it's a ske- it, it's sketchbook not, it's, on an easel. It's a but it's a big one. It's like a huge one, right? A big sketchbook on an easel. <laughs> <laughs> but he has one of those, and he like. Or maybe it's a whiteboard. I can't remember. But he like he he writes like a Japanese word, and then he like breaks it down in half, and he's like, "Well, this half means this, and this half means this." But when you combine it, it means this. And then he's like, "Why Japanese people?" And people pay to see this. I guess. That's the a, Japanese love it. That's a very strange. I mean, is it popular in Japan? Yeah, it's. I mean, that's where it's aired. Oh, it's it's a Japanese comedy show. Oh, okay. That that changes everything. Yeah. Yeah, because I I was having a lot of trouble imagining how this would play to a <laughs> yeah. Western audience. Yeah, no, 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 no. This this guy's like a, a like a D list celebrity in Japan. Okay, okay. He's he's on Variety sometimes. Yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, he used to be at least. I don't think he is anymore. Well, he had his time in the sun. Yeah, in the rising sun. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I, I'm looking him up right now. This is the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've finished discussing him, I'm going to look him up. <laughs> J- Jason David Danielson. JDD? No, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> is an American comedian based in Japan and associated with Watanabe Entertainment. Um, Danielson's comedic narrative is based on his confusion with kanji, ending with the punchline, why Japanese people? That I will say that is very... That is something I imagine the Japanese would love, just repeating the same catchphrase at the end of the 100%. Day. Well, that's, that's, that's all they know, right. is catchphrases. Um, that's when I laugh. That, yeah, right, right, right. Um, oh, he, he formed the Japanese branch of an IT company that he worked for in Chicago. Um, he is a Republican and supported Donald Trump in the 2016 United whoa, States presidential whoa, election. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's all clap. Let's, let's all clap for that. Um, in 2007, Danielson married a Japanese woman. That's a great line. Thanks for that. Um, who he met when he first went to Japan in 2005 with their wedding ceremony held in the States. Uh, they have three children. Um, so are you seething about no, this guy, or where are we at? No, here? no, 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 no. There's the, I'm just trying to find out what he's been doing. Like, there's, He hasn't done anything on this English article since, like, 2016. Why Japanese people? Why Japanese people? Why Japanese people? Yeah, I should, I should do the same thing, but my catchphrase will be, Fuck you, Japanese people. <laughs> that would be great. It's really strike at the heart of the matter. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, it really is just so easy to do this stuff on Japanese TV. The Ready Room would play very well to to Japanese audiences. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would really appreciate its subtlety. <laughs> if there's one word I would use to describe the Ready Room. It is subtlety. Well, if, if if we add like a laugh track, maybe they'll like it. Well, we laugh at ourselves enough. <laughs> yeah, we kind of do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, all right, let's let's talk about you know what we're really here for, and that's um, Wesley walking around the desert. Yes, which, by the way, filmed on location on Tatooine. On Tatooine, yes, yes. We were in the desert. We spent a week out there um, on what Rick called a pilgrimage. Yes. Um, to what, I'm not sure. He was gone for, like, three of those days. Now, is, but, is, a, um, is a pilgrimage like a black mage? <sighs> yes. Yes, it is. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the 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 very well known color pilgrim. Right, right, right. Well, I I wasn't really sure what a pilgrim was, but I know that it was very, very taxing on us. It's like an off gray, right? right? Yes, a pilgrimage. Um, but yeah, it was tough. It was it was. I mean, it was tough for everyone, but it was it was really tough on food services. I mean, by the third day, we'd already uh, we'd already. It, basically picked clean all the edible cacti uh mm. in the area um but uh yeah fun fact i mean you see it in this episode but um that that piss colored filter that's completely due to the to the the way that the sun refracts off the sand particles in the air 
Hmm. Uh, I don't think most people know this, but um, color correction is a, actually a pretty relatively new technology. Uh, um, I think I think I'm pretty sure they only started using it with um, with Sony's new uh, uh, blue rays back in like 2006. So the more you know, I mean, that's the thing about filming on location. It really can add a lot to the, to the look of a show, but it can also wildly affect things that you didn't intend on. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it just looks odd. Yeah. Um, and in this case, we also had Will Wheaton on screen, too, so it was, like, doubly weird. Very strange, but, uh... especially the way that Will refracted off of the sand. <laughs> <laughs> Made him look like some kind of specter. Yeah, um, and, and that's 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 not that's not even uh, taking into account his refraction period, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I might add was the shortest of all cast members. God bless him. Um, all right, yeah. So let's 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 bring this around to the beginning and and just run through the end quick. Um, Pentus five, Pentus uh, V, the Enterprise. Is it five or V? Um, I think it's five, but it's written with a V. It's written with a V, but yeah, yeah it's five. So, okay, so Picard's going to Pentas Five to mediate a dispute among the Selenite miners. Um, very important work. Who are, yeah, yeah, mining Selenite, you know, the, the, the very necessary mineral Selenite. Yes. Uh, which, you know, powers many of the wonderful inventions that we take for granted today. For granite. Well, granite and selenite are not entirely unrelated. <laughs> they're, they're fairly similar, and and you know, to the layman, um, almost undistinguishable, indistinguishable. Yeah. Both of them are used heavily in pencils, mm-hmm. sharp pens. Uh, isn't that a breed of dog? <laughs> um. <clears throat> Yeah. So okay. So so yeah. Picard needs to to mediate some minor dispute. Um, well, no, these, no, no. These, don't these don't Pentus underplay five, it. It's pretty. It's pretty heavy. These Pentas Five fellows, they're it's they not a are minor dispute. No, <laughs> notably prone to violence. Um, and I do want to note that a concerted effort was made to cast a white man, uh, in in the role as the only on screen representation of this group, uh, which we did successfully. Mm-hmm. And he does a good job, actually. I like this guy. Durgo? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him too. I thought he was really good. I, I really enjoyed his, his character and his performance and everything. I it, liked it. Him being enjoyable really highlights uh, how much of a dick Wesley Crusher is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I love his ship. I love, I love the outside of it. Um, the inside could use a little work in terms of like actually looking unique, mm. but. I like seeing kind of junky space stuff in Trek because all, all we usually see is this like streamlined new fucking can do anything type stuff. And that's that's more or less mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Wesley Crusher bemoans the state of the ship and Durgo basically tells him, fuck off. It's uh, right. It's all I got. Right. Right. Um. <clears throat> And, and you know, like it, it also like conveniently just explodes the second they take off. Right. <laughs> so. I, I, I'm still not sure what caused that to happen, other than it just being <laughs> a shitty ship. No, and yeah, it's it's really just like such weird plot convenience. 
uh, which is annoying. Like, at least have something hit the ship or, like, give us, like, a little bit of buildup because things go from zero to 100 in, like, two seconds. Yeah. And uh, you would think, like, one blown thruster or something wouldn't cause the ship to spiral out of control, but whatever. Uh, I do like that scene, though, where they're all, like, switching chairs and stuff and trying to, like, fix it. Right, or, and like, the deal music with it. stops playing and they all run to a new chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was a good scene, though, it, right? It I, was. Mean, I, I thought it was good. I mean, I like that whole um, dynamic of uh, Picard, Durgo, and and Wesley and uh, them having to man a ship together is, is interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Um, I like how Durgo calls himself a captain. M- much to Wesley what I would do. <laughs> I know. I know. Wesley's like, captain, what are you, what are you gay? <laughs> yeah, captain um, Dick, maybe. <laughs> captain, I haven't sex with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> now Wesley <laughs> enjoyed a good romp in the sack with a man before play and touch uh, something <laughs> every now and then I have commander data milk me <laughs> We all need a good milking. Uh, no, I, I really sympathize with um, Durgo because that's 100% what I would do if I owned uh, well, like a trash heap of a it's, ship. It's I'd be like, even, yeah, I'm the, I'm the captain. It's not even inaccurate. The captain is just someone who commandeers the ship. Well, yeah, it's not inaccurate. It's not inaccurate. Durgo um, Defense Force. It's also not inaccurate that I'm a knight of Sealand. So. <laughs> what? You know, you know. I've been knighted. Sea I'm land. A knight of Sealand. 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 My uh, the gears are are they need a little more oil inside my mind. This 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 is this is only barely. Sealand is a real place. What? It's like it's like an old it's like an old like rig off the coast of um the UK that's declared its independence, and you can. You can be knighted uh, at Sealand for like 200 bucks. Ah, and you did this without yeah. telling me? I told you. You just never listened to me. What? Yeah. No, what did you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where were we? Okay, yeah. So they crash land onto the only Class M planet, whatever that means. No, Moon. Class M and, Moon? Um, Is that what the M stands for? Yeah. <laughs> 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 sorry redundant um and uh we learn here that durgo has a replicator on his ship which i find odd why doesn't that seem like like a fancy technology to you do you think that simple people don't eat well of, of course they do but usually when we see like um less technologically advanced civilizations, they don't have replicators. But I think Durgo is Federation adjacent. <laughs> oh, then we're going to have to unfollow him on Twitter, I guess. <laughs> the, the replicator comes up a lot in Voyager. 
oddly enough, because uh-huh. it's completely new technology to that quadrant of the galaxy. Oh, oh, okay. And it's a plot point of different species wanting to gain access to the replicator or steal the technology. And um, Well, I like that idea. I'm sure it's not pulled off very well, but I like the idea. It's fine. I agree the idea is good. That and um, the transporter are like the two biggest things mm, and that's mm. that's what's cool about voyager is that they're stranded and alone but they have this technological leg up on on just about everyone yeah um, well I, they they i mean that shows ahead of its time if if uh if we're talking about the transporter right of all the porters that's something we could use nowadays yes, you know yes <laughs> but I, I it didn't it didn't bother me that durgo had a had a replicator all right, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too bothered by it, but I just thought it was a curiosity. I know you hated that line, and you just started clawing at the wall. I heard you. <laughs> I started foaming at the mouth and like hitting myself. <laughs> Repl- stop it! Stop Replicator! Replicator! <laughs> <laughs> just got completely red. Started sweating. Took my shirt off and rolled around the floor and started kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had to take a week off. It was so hard for you to get to the episode. Um, so there's this general and, uh, uh, general animosity between general sows. But I, I liked the one moment of um, Picard says, "Oh, we got to go for the mountains." And Durgo's like, "What are you fucking talking? We're gonna, we're never gonna make it." Yeah, we're yeah, yeah, die. yeah. That was that was a good scene. I like that. Picard diffuses the situation pretty well what he yeah. by um kind of uh granting durgo some, some agency in the matter and he's like all right well what do you think we should do what's your suggestion mm-hmm. not like in a flippant way but sincerely and the idea what should have happened is that wesley should have seen this as a learning moment he does not <laughs> he definitely does not because uh <clears throat> cut to a scene of them walking and durgo kind of you know trips over himself from exhaustion and thirst and uh, Wesley helps him back up, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. and you were worried about the captain? <laughs> Dumb fuck. And Durgo exhibits superhuman restraint by not just <laughs> yeah. punching Wesley in the fucking face. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, God, it's so bad. Not even um, a line like, uh, Captain, you, you keep your ensign on a tight leash or i'm gonna fucking shank him yeah 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 sure yeah and th- th- you know that would have been fine too uh have a scene like that where he's like if 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 he says something like that again i'm gonna punch the shit out of him yeah Wes- wesley experiences no humility in this episode which is Mm-mm. probably what he should have learned chiefly well he's a watcher so he doesn't need humility he's not a watcher yet but i think that would have been wesley's almost his entire arc in a way um, he starts out this you know, wunderkind. He uh, can do anything. He doesn't really need help from anybody because he's so self-sufficient and smart. Mm-hmm. But he, he had he had an alien from like another galaxy come and tell him how great he was and jack him off. Right, but he never really had to experience the humility. And um, yeah. if he had gotten that in this episode, that would have been uh, would have been good. But no, no. yeah. Nah. Uh, that would have been too uh that would have been too good um 
I was just thinking completely randomly, uh, quick aside. Uh-huh. He comes back. He comes back for that uh, that episode where like there's that like game that they play on like they're like fucking Google glasses or whatever. Yeah, right. The, the game. What season is that? Five or six. Okay. I, I'm I'm leaning to five, but now I got. I think it's five. Up. I think it's five. Why? Why do you ask? Well, I just think it's funny that like he leaves in this season, and comes back like the next season. <laughs> yeah, you know? it is the next season. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I don't know. He um, get, he gets with Ashley Judd. Judd. Ashley, like Ashley Chud. Ashley Judd Dread. <laughs> uh, that chick's hot, right? Um. Well, she's like I don't know, sixteen in, the, in that episode. Yeah, that chick's hot, right? Yeah, I can tell you in her photo on Wikipedia, she is not. Oh, damn. Uh, I, I do want to note that we are from Europe. You're so right. It's okay for us to be talking like this. Um, with American accents. Yes. Yes. Well, we were we're from Europe. Um, we, you know, we wanted to be in Hollywood, so we changed our voices completely. And our names. And you know, we we were all we were also born in Transylvania in the year thirteen hundred. So. Oh, that's a little late. I mean, you're forgetting my stint as a uh, <laughs> as a Roman legate. <laughs> Remember that time you killed Caesar? That's Greece. Greece. <laughs> He hates it when I do that. Uh, well, I mean, you know, you've you've never met uh, Caligula. I I find him to be one of my biggest influences. <laughs> uh, it's like when Lou Reed was hanging out with Andy Warhol. Is it like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um one of my one of my favorite things ever um is uh ever huh okay in this realm of like artists hanging out together uh across mediums is uh, don't make a joke (laughs) (laughs) don't make a joke (laughs) i never (laughs) they're not channeling some old woman's psychic energy to talk to each other Oh, uh, it was it was the guy who was gonna make Dune before Lynch. David Lynch? No, before Lynch. Uh, George, George, I don't know how to he, say. He it. made like what was it Holy Mountain or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah fucking Judge 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 Dread. He was gonna have um, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Jodorowsky. Yeah, he was gonna have like fucking um uh. I already forgot. <laughs> what? Okay, artists was, hanging uh, out with on, each on. other. Yeah, no, he was going to have an artist in uh, in Dune, like like a like a famous painter in Dune as the emperor. And I'm trying to remember who it was. Pablo Picasso. It was Picasso. Yes, thank you. How did you know that? You knew that, huh? Yeah. I mean, they're both Spanish. Um. Yeah, well, uh, but that's funny as hell. Like, imagine, because I don't think, did Picasso do any, any other film work? I don't think he did, at least not like as an actor. 
No, I don't think so, but I'm not... I, I only know his blue period. The gears are turning. I disarmed you so thoroughly. <laughs> I know, Jesus Christ. I was like, wait a minute. I, I was so close to, to, to following up with that. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think it would have been like super interesting to have like Picasso on film as some fucking dumbass sci-fi character. I mean, there's a lot of things about that film that uh, that would, yeah, that, yeah. that really really tease the senses to what <laughs> what could have been. Uh, damn shame. Oh well. Anyway, um, all right. What do we do? They 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 get into the cave. Um, which I don't know about you, but I'm perpetually tired of cave sets i fucking hate cave sets well it doesn't and help it that it's always the bad. same set it makes me <laughs> it makes me feel bad because like you know like i know like work obviously goes into it but it's just so fucking boring uh you don't like characters being surrounded by styrofoam right <laughs> my, my mind flashed back to jordy fucking crawling around in the dark in that cave from like three seasons ago with the romulan yeah, with a Romulan. Wait, did we watch that episode? Did that happen? Yeah. I, I know the episode. I, just, I don't recall if we talked about it or not. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. It's an early one. The Yeah, it's like Enemy Mine, but with Romulans. Yeah, sure. You, do you know De Dennis Quaid? I know of him. You know Randy Quaid? Uh, I, I think we were at the same party once. Well, only Dennis Quaid was an Enemy Mine. Mm, okay. That was with uh, bereft of an actual mine. It was more like my enemy. <laughs> enemy mine. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So they're in a cave. They're right. in a cave. They they see a fountain. Right. They have water. Water. Not not a soda fountain. Oh, we forgot to talk about the uh, the the fake out where we think that uh, Durgo has water, but it turns out he drops it in the cave when they've stopped, and he's like, oh, it's actually alcohol. Yeah, because he pulls out a bottle. He's bringing up the rear while they're walking. Hey, you always bring it up, all right. Right, and he pulls out a bottle, and he takes a drink of it, and like, oh my god, he's holding out. And uh, then it comes out that he's had this bottle in the cave, and uh, it turns out it's alcohol. Picard tears into him for... <laughs> for if, because it's going to dehydrate him instead of hydrate him. Wesley tears into him because he's an asshole and a prick. But mm -hmm. it was they insist that they can use the um the alcohol as a coolant. And I remember that this took several takes because Patrick kept saying coolant. Coolant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a difficult word, but I'm I'm not sure. This is... You know, it makes me suspect that he doesn't he didn't know what a coolant was. Right. Like, he thought it was some kind of insect, maybe? Alien insectoid? Right. Yeah, sure. I don't know. But there's water in them there caves. Yep. And they try, and, uh, they try to get it, and a vengeful alien spirit stops them. Yeah. Um, Essentially. Yeah, it's... it's uh, we we have we have quite a little effect going on here, uh, both digitally and physically. Um, this uh, uh, Durgo shoots the 
force field around the fountain. And uh, he doesn't let up, despite Picard telling him to stop like five times. Um, and, and he, you know, he can see this like weird bird of light flying around and um, banging its head against the walls and screaming and screeching. Um, but he keeps firing at it until uh, what happens? There's a like a cave in. Some rocks fall on Picard. Right, 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 right. And this is how Picard gets injured, and he's critically injured. Yes. Yes, those that beautiful uh, scene of, of, of rocks falling on Picard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know how Picard predicted that rocks would have fallen because uh, they they weren't falling at the time he screamed Wesley and pushed him out of the way. Right, but uh, Picard's got a sixth sense smart. for these things. You know, he's got a sixth sense. He's got a sixth sense that Picard. He's uh, just sick all the time. He's sick. He's disgusting. So Well, they still don't have a cure for HIV in the future, so. <laughs> that's, so that's a sixth sense. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's down and out in a bad way. Um, you know, he's broken his leg or something, and his he's head bleeding is, like, caved inside. in. Yeah, he's bleeding. Yeah, that's, that's what Durgo said. I've seen this before. He's bleeding inside. <laughs> <laughs> uh and, and and Durgo is Durgo's adamant that Picard's not gonna make it. Wesley's like, no. So But they have to get they, the water. They gotta get the water, and this is where Picard tells Wesley, you know, you gotta stand up to Durgo and make sure he doesn't do anything stupid, and that doesn't happen. That doesn't go anywhere, yeah. No, no. Instead, Durgo takes charge of the situation and he comes up with a plan. Right. His plan is just to, is, sh- to shoot at the thing. And then have another phaser shoot at the thing. And then while the sentry is distracted by the other phaser, he'll shoot the sentry, I think. Something, Something like that. Yeah, to, to use a second phaser. But all that happens is that Wesley sets up the phaser to fire autonomously. Durgo does his part. And both that phaser and Durgo get caught in a web of really the, the series' most inspired use of semen yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. I actually have a quote from the script here, if you, if you would indulge me while I read it. Okay, yeah, let's so, hear it. So this is a parenthetical in the script. So Durgo goes up to a ledge and fires. The force field instantly appears. Then, Wesley's phaser fires, and a sentry immediately deals with it. Then, it goes after Durgo and envelops him in a white substance. There are screams, and then silence. Wesley creeps out of his hiding place. Durgo is wrapped in cum and is very dead. Wesley reaches out to touch it, then thinks better of the act. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just yeah, inspired. Wow. It's it's and it it came out so good. Uh, in in oh, many you ways. know it did. <laughs> um, if I recall, it, we all had to contribute to that. We did, we did. I was I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, we uh we had like a a communal sesh. Right. Um, at at, at the end of I think it was the it was probably the first or second day of filming because we we didn't want to dehydrate ourselves. Well, this is or, where or we be, learned about dehydrated. This is where we learned about Will Wheaton's uh, refraction period. Right. Oh, oh, he was a champ. Now, he just you, kept going. Usually, when we did these things, it was one of those oh, the, the slowest person has to eat it situations, but not this time. <laughs> right, right, right. This this was for a greater cause. Um, fun fact: even though he wasn't in the episode, we had a poem there as well, and he was playing guitar while we were doing this. Yeah, uh, like little folk songs. Mm. 
Um, and then we, we would kind of like dance around this, this big tub, this big like tin tub, um, and, you know, do our business and, uh, you know, you know, wait, wait, wait for the, the urge to come back. And it was, it was like a little party. We had food and everything. It was nice. Hey, I remember one of the folk songs, the Irish white was about this very same uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. act. Oh, yeah. the Irish white, you know, that's, that's just go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Fun times. I, uh, you know, I, I, I dream of those days. What a coincidence. I dream of Genie. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think about the title of that very often, and I don't know why. I dream of Genie? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's evocative. I guess I guess it is evocative, but it's like, why am I still thinking about it? That's a good question. Right. So uh, he gets encased in Cum Durgo, and his plan fails. <laughs> the water is still inaccessible, and Wesley goes back to Picard, and they have a heart, heart to heart. And this is probably the best. These are the best moments of the episode, I think. Um, Picard kind of accepting his death and giving Wesley some some final parting words of advice. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, he yeah. tells uh, he tells Wesley to go find Boothby. Right. Oh, I've always loved Boothby. <laughs> <laughs> he was like Boothby. He helped me. Um, how he helped him? Not too sure. Not sure if we want to know. Right. But I do want to say that Boothby sounds like a fat cartoon cat in like a Sunday comic strip. <laughs> oh, or, Captain, or like a... what did he te- what did he teach? <laughs> Boothby was the alley cat that lived in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me to hate Mondays. <laughs> The Adventures of Boothby and Picard. <laughs> Boothby. Boothby. I can only imagine him being like this bald, like, fucking, like, hunchback with one tooth. He's a groundskeeper. This so, one, you know, one time I went on a date and Boothby hid inside of my shirt and told me what to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um he, he, boothby does show up um later on damn it you knew that i knew that was this was this your trivia yeah i can tell you the exact episode it's um wait it? uh of tng yeah all right never mind i i i got i got it for you don't worry is this the ds9 one All right, keep your secrets. Ah, sorry, I was drinking. Um, all right. Uh, I, I wrote this down before Boothby, and I, I don't know when it was said, but I laughed at Lambda Pause. I, I don't know what that is, but that is funny. Someone, someone said, I don't know who it was, but someone said Lambda Pause. I think it's the name of a planet. Right. Might have been, might have been Data when they were like searching for Picard or something. Um. He's not on Lambda Pause. Right, yeah. I, I just, I couldn't help but giggle. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, okay. So, yeah, you, you, so you like this scene, huh? 
Yeah, I I did. Um, it's good acting on the part of Patrick Stewart. Um, and it's easy to see from Picard's point of view what what this means to him. Kind of, mm. you know, he starts out with Wesley. He's he's awkward around him. He hates the kid, and now he's kind of developed this uh, authentic fatherly bond. And he's, yeah. as such, he's imparting this wisdom that um, registers as heartfelt. You kind of get this sense of pining for the youth that that Wesley has. He's at the start mm-hmm. of his journey. He's gonna. Uh, that's the thing. Mentioning Boothby does a lot. <laughs> in I'm serious. It does a lot in communicating <laughs> Picard's nostalgia for that time of yeah, his life. Yeah, sure, sure. I just I I can't help but feel that I would have liked it to have been framed differently. Like if 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 he could have said that when he wasn't dying. Um, because. He, <clears throat> the thing that the thing that sort of bothers me is that um you know there there's there's a saying not in so many words about like how I don't even know if this is a saying, but it's an observation that I've heard. Okay. Yeah. That that you you experience a man's true character when he's on the brink of death. Or when he knows he's gonna die or whatever. It's oddly specific. Um is it? Well for, for this circumstance. But it's true. Uh and I, I would have liked Picard to have more agency. It almost feels desperate on his part to be like, well, uh, you know, like I'm dying, so uh, I better get all these emotions out. I would no, have liked him to have a little more agency in that, like, I disagree. okay, well, you know, like Wesley's leaving and, you know, at this point I should probably like step out of my shell, my comfort zone, or maybe even mature and tell him what I'm actually thinking. See, that's that's what I think happened, because usually you don't get Picard being so outwardly nostalgic and um and yearning for his for his youth. He he mm. usually seems pretty content with with where he is in life. But now on his deathbed, he's suddenly turning back like, Oh, I wish I was younger again, I wish I could go back and re experience the academy. Well yeah, sure, but 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 it almost it almost feels like someone who's like on their deathbed and is like, I wish I posted on 4chan more. No, you know? I mean, it's. I disagree. There's a okay. the the general idea of um, oh, I really enjoyed my time as as a student in university or high school is a feeling that a lot of people, real people, have, and it's not to say that Picard peaked in high school, which would be an <laughs> extremely sad outlook. What what did he peak at? <laughs> oh, well, you know the the coeds. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just really quick aside the 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 word co-ed is so funny and and like it's just it's so funny to think we were still using it like what like 10 years ago for like girls gone wild commercials but uh barely anyway. legal co-eds <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh it is it is funny to think of picard using that word especially <laughs> oh Wesley, I'm so jealous of you'll be chasing coeds before the year is out. <laughs> What's a coed? <laughs> oh, I envy you, Wesley. I wish I could go back to Hogwarts. <laughs> oh Wesley, I know you'll be a fine Ravenclaw. <laughs> Trust me, Wesley. 
You have to try the polyjuice potion. Wesley, there's someone I want you to meet. <laughs> Seek out Hagrid. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Get the giggles out. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good bit. Uh, I don't know. I I was pretty satisfied with Picard's depiction on his uh, imagined deathbed. Okay, uh, that's fine. I mean, I I, I might be projecting. Um, but following this, it's Wesley's final resolve to get the water. Yes, and so he uh, tinkers with his little phaser. His quadcorder. No, his tricorder. Sorry. He wishes it was a quadcorder. Quadcorder. <laughs> yeah. This episode wouldn't even have had a conflict if it was quadcorder. No, no. They they would have been able to get off the planet with the quadcorder. Right. Uh. Oh, so wait. Hold on. I before we move on from this, I want to pitch our latest T-shirt just uh, okay for everyone to go get it on Teespring. Um, yeah. It's it's Boothby depicted as a Booth Babe from E3, and uh, you know, it's it's a. It's it's a it's a man drawn as if he was under the male gaze to look like mm -hmm. a babe, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's you know, very, very we thought we thought why not why not give them a taste of their own medicine, you know. Right. And then we had uh, a, a take off of this which was Booth Babe, but it's the pig. <laughs> uh is is that a shirt now? Mm. Those are two new designs that are going up on the store on Monday. Oh, it's exciting! Yeah, I, I might buy one. Yeah, the the XXXL is pre-sold out. As all of oh, our shirts. Oh, that's okay. Are. I, I'm only I'm only a double XL. Right, right. Uh, that's good. Yeah. So Teespring slash what? The Readier Room. Uh, Readier Room. Okay. The Readier Room was taken, I imagine. Yeah, as it always is by uh yeah, that one room that is even readier than us. And, and uh, yeah, for, for those just joining us, too, um, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the readier room um, and uh, become a patron. Yeah, every just a couple bucks. If you are a patron, you get access to the episodes five weeks in advance. Which is, you know, when they're posted on YouTube is very, very far after the recording. <laughs> <laughs> five weeks in advance yeah that's uh <laughs> what can i say we have amazing planning yeah it, it really affects the uh the opening topical portion of the show but you know what can you do <laughs> really embarrassing that time we talked about sandy hook five weeks after it happened well, it was even stranger when we talked about 9-11 five weeks before it happened. <laughs> yeah, I, w I, wonder, I wonder how that happened, huh? I wonder how we got that information. Well, I got friends in high places. <laughs> and uh, they, they fell from those high places very, very quickly. Indeed, indeed. Um... I was actually a member of the crew. I was also chief consultant of services on 
Um, the 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 Ku Klux Klan. No, I was gonna say the Paul Greengrass film. I'm sorry. The one it's I forget the name of it. United ninety three. Huh? The document not the documentary, the dra- dramatization of <clears throat> Is it is this is this the one where Mark Wahlberg turned into Superman and stopped nine eleven? No, no. This is the one where a bunch of everyday average people band together to ram a food cart into the, the door of the cabin and <clears throat> crash that plane into a field. Hmm. Oh yeah, okay, okay. This this was fictional. Well, it was based on nine eleven. Have you heard of nine well, yeah, eleven? I mean, yes, I, yes, I know. I know what it was based on. This, but this this was an act of fiction, uh, uh, a work of fiction. Well, they didn't stage another plane crashing into the field, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. <laughs> no, but I, I thought. Look, it's either it's either fiction or a documentary. Well, that's not true. A documentary it could, with it could be stranger than fiction. <laughs> it could be. But this was no, this was as strange as fiction, but it was a it was neither a documentary nor a dramatization. It was just a film covering the events. Okay, all right. That's all I wanted to with know. With actors and characters that were based on okay. real people. That's all I wanted to know. But I don't you know see, why you had to make it so hard. The plane didn't really crash while making the film. It's a special effect. Okay. All right. The most special ne- effect. Next, next, you're gonna tell me fucking Durgo's shuttle didn't crash. Well, I mean that really did crash on Tatooine, but that no, did, that, that no, did, yeah. Nobody was in it at the time. And that's something that really goes uh, unappreciated with this episode is is how far we had to travel to get this thing out there. A far, far away we had to travel. Yeah. Well, is that not good enough? Yeah, for you? It was. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Temporal travel temporal so wesley gets the water i don't wesley gets the water i don't remember how but he does so he he fiddles so he's like he's he has a data moment where the uh the where he doesn't understand an idiom appears the the where, where he says a contraction while saying that he doesn't use contractions uh he sees the entity appear, and he starts like moving at light speed, pressing buttons on his little tricorder. Mm. And then uh, I don't remember how it happens either, but eventually the 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 entity like fuses into the fucking force field, and it disappears. And he gets the water, and he uh, he fills up something. some kind of. Yeah, something. It's not depicted what vessel he uses to get the water back to, <laughs> to Picard, but... but It he, is a vessel. It is a vessel, and he uses it to treat us to a a hand-feeding scene that is equally erotic and biblical. Mm. Which is what we see in the episode, but unseen is the cut scene of the, the foot washing. He also yeah. used the water to wash Picard's feet. Which fans of the Bible will recognize the importance of that. Yes, yes, yeah, they will. It's it was a bit of a uh, you know a reference, maybe a little bit of a crossover, right? A little bit of a metaphor. I mean, some might say that it was a forced metaphor, metaphorced, but metaphorced. I wouldn't say that. Are you a fan of the Bible by any chance? Um, you know, <sighs> yeah, I was in the Bible. I thought it was good when it came out. Yeah. But um, 
I don't know. It's kind of overplayed now. There's so many adaptations. and Yeah, I, I always thought that Paul's adaptation of the Bible was a little out there. Yeah, I, you know, it, 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 eventually, you know, they, they, just, they started adding too much to it. They took out, like, all my favorite books. Right. Uh, now, now you can't even get your hands on them. I, you know, this might be a little hipster of me, but the Dead Sea Scrolls? Perfect. Perfect. Chef's Kiss. Those those were the days. I I used to kick back, read my favorite Dead Sea Scroll, uh, sipping pina coladas, getting caught in the rain. Yeah, which <laughs> ironically is what destroyed the Dead Sea Scroll that I was reading. Right. Uh, and and uh, what what made it lost media forever. So. Well, the pina coladas were always a little too salty, made from the Dead Sea, which was crate levels of salt. Yeah. Um. There's a reason they call it the Dead Sea. Right. Are, do you know what a bronze bull is? Uh, uh, I can show you. This is one of the, the torture devices that uh, Christians in Rome were killed in. They were encased inside of a bronze bull and uh, boiled alive because they... Oh, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't give up their faith in Christ. Right. Well, you know, they, they got what was coming to them. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, I can imagine Christians at the time were probably really fucking annoying. They were like, oh, look, it's my hidden fish symbol. I uh, I put this fish up so you know I'm a Christian, but you're not supposed mm-hmm. to know that. And then other people, mm-hmm. oh, I see your fish. You know that Jesus fed 300 people with only two fishes and a loaf of bread? And they'd say, I did know that. <laughs> That's why I'm a Christian. <laughs> so it's just really insufferable people if i'm yeah honest. yeah you know it's how am i how am i supposed to believe all that it's it it destroys my suspension of disbelief i you know right. I, I could prepare when he walked on water because the high salt content in the water whatever but yeah 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 i watched a ben shapiro video about that i know you did but back in the day we didn't have ben shapiro videos we just yeah, had... yeah, yeah. We, we didn't we didn't have uh, s- smart people like Ben Shapiro to tell us what to think. Right. <laughs> and we only had people like Jesus Christ to tell us what to think. <laughs> you know where Look he's from? I bet you've never even been to Nazareth. <laughs> One time, you know, the story of my... Uh, I don't want to, my my conversion, my change, my transformation. I was on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> and I had a All fateful right. uh, encounter. Yeah, stop! 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 We're not doing. You're you're. <laughs> how how much of the how much of the Bible? You you've really internalized this, haven't you? Who hurt you? I'm a big Bible stan. <laughs> Uh, I I can't keep up with you. I haven't. I really haven't read a lot of the Bible. Ah, uh, well, uh, that's a shame. But I wasn't even making a Bible reference. Okay. So anyway, not that anything I say is a. It's all true stories from my life. <laughs> it's a reference. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sweating my ass off in here. Yeah. Can you open that window? No. <laughs> <laughs> If I get up, the ensigns will hear my chair creaking, 
and then Oh, that's back. true. That would be unprofessional. People leave comments all stop creaking the chair. And I say, I'm stop sorry. Creaking. I'm sorry. Stop skeeting. I'm a skeet shooter. Uh Okay, yeah, he feeds Picard the water. Feeds. He feeds him the water. I, I spent um, a lot of time thinking about this. What is the correct verbiage? I don't know. Is it feeds? I guess it's gotta be feeds. Sneeds? I mean, there's no other word. Yeah. He. Has. I guess you would just say he makes Picard drink the water. You will very drink satisfying. the water. No. You will! And uh, then it just kind of cuts to him being woken up by his mommy. And I yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. By which and... I don't mean Picard. <laughs> I, I want to say um, I was thrown off when she said, Wesley, thank God. Yeah, that was weird. She, right? sh- she should have said, thank Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um I, you know, at this point, if they had any forethought, they uh, they they would have made it so that Neil deGrasse Tyson is like is framed like Kim Jong Un in like Medical Bay, right? <laughs> <laughs> or just every room on the Enterprise, every room on every Federation ship uh, building right. organization, right. and it'll, it'll have like a quote, like a placard, like below him, and it's like. Uh, uh, about narcissists looking in mirrors or something. <laughs> <laughs> they would just greet each other. NDT. NDT. <laughs> this is this is this is actually perfect. I like this a lot. This is a good idea. I think this actually happened in Voyager. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised, honestly, if Neil deGrasse Tyson showed up at some point in some shitty Star Trek show. That would be hilarious. Star but, Trek. Uh, Discovery? Oh, oh no. Oh, There's not even, like, cheese Neil. at that point. Um, th- this, this is going in the notebook for our inevitable uh, Star Trek fan film, though. Inevitable? Inevitable. It's not much of a fan film if one of the creators of Star Trek makes it. Let alone well, kind two of, of them. It's not. It's not official. Well, it depends on how many fans we. All right. I guess. Hire. I guess. Yeah. You don't. Don't call it a fan film. Call it a uh, fed up with Star Trek, but still making it anyway. Film. Well, half of the people ever hired to be actors on Star Trek are always like, "Oh, I was such a fan of the original series." And does that mm. make it a fan production? No. But what what makes it not a fan production is that it's, uh, you know, owned by Paramount or whatever, and. Uh-huh. You know they they produce it, mm-hmm. right? I guess. But yeah. So anyway, uh, Crusher says thank thank God Wesley thank God, uh, which I guess implies that she's a Christian. <clears throat> um. Well, I, there's a number of gods and, out there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, um, simplifying it, and. Picard and Wesley hold hands. Thank Allah. As Pic- <laughs> Wesley, inshallah. <laughs> Picard, Picard and Wesley hold hands as Picard is carried out on a stretcher. Um, and then, and then 
what you don't see in the extended scene is that Wesley bends over and starts making out with him. But what witnessing that on set, one mm. of the top five moments of my career. Yeah. Top five moments in Ready Room history. Number one. Number one. Number... <laughs> uh, I, I I do wanna I do wanna uh, cap this off here and just note that um, uh, Will is obviously very very happy throughout this episode. Um, it's the first time we've seen him in a long time, and I I think he was genuinely delighted to to have this episode kind of like to himself again. It's been a while. The Wesley show. Um, the the great thing is I don't think he realized he was actually being written off the show, um, and we did have a farewell party for for him like a, like a surprise farewell party, and um, that was perfect because that was that was when reality really set in. Um, and I remember Lavar and Brent, <clears throat> you know, they they both held an arm, holding him above his cake, uh, as as he sobbed so he could. He could season it with his tears. Yeah, some people might say that a salty cake wouldn't taste very good, but they don't, they're underestimating the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. We call it a, a selenite cake. Right, right. How could I forget? Yeah. <clears throat> so, saucer steps? Saucer steps. I guess it's a three. Yeah, three is a good, good number of saucer steps. Um, as much as I enjoy the emotional stuff between Picard and uh, Wesley, it is a relatively small part of the episode, and yes, this episode does represent a major miss of Wesley potentially growing as a character. So, mm-hmm. can't sing it, can't yeah. give it too many praises. I mean, thankfully, he does he does uh, grow in no meaningful way by becoming a an omnipotent space lord. I can't wait for him to. Um, defect from the Federation to protect the interests of the Space Indians. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Space Native Americans. <laughs> Once again, your favorite episode. Oh yes, another season seven banger. Uh, that's going to be a fun time when we get there. I- I'm thinking about after season four moving the podcast to Deep Space Nine. Hmm. But that would Sorry, mean, honey. That would mean we'd never get to Darmok. That's true. That's true. Darmok is um, the apex TNG. <clears throat> it's no. So, oh no, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. It's no what? Tell me. I forget the name of the episode, but that one that I really enjoyed a few weeks ago with the Klingon drama. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm busy reading this this memory alpha article, trying to desperately uh, scoop flailing out some, to get a trivia. Uh, some Boothby trivia here. Ah, uh, Boothby. Um, it's a shame that they cast that guy as Picard's brother because he would be a perfect ornery groundskeeper. Here's a. Yeah, he would. Here's here's a, here's a great subheading: alternate Boothbys. Ooh, bigger Boothby. Um, where do okay okay no you know what that's a bad question because you're gonna know 
Never mind. I don't have any questions for you. There are alternate Boothbees in Voyager. Really? Yeah. I'm not familiar with this. Like alternate well, actors or Yeah, but but if, if I if I asked you no, it's the same guy. If I asked you, you would know because you've seen all of DS9. What's... And he's obviously not gonna be in Enterprise. Oh, uh, okay. So it's like what series? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, there there is an episode of um DS9, and I kinda asked about this earlier. Uh Cisco and Odo go to Starfleet headquarters, which I guess is different from the Academy, but whatever. I didn't really think about that at the time. And uh, I was like, oh, did Boothby show up there? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess not. No, a holographic duplicate of Boothby was part of Chakotay's training simulations aboard the USS Voyager. Terrible. Absolutely fucking terrible. I hate this show. <laughs> they bend over backwards <laughs> to get any semblance of anything from other Trek series into Voyager. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, how can we get the Ferengi involved with this? How can we get fucking, what's his name? Um, Barclay. How can we get Barclay involved here? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Uh, here's a picture of Catherine Janeway with a replicant of Boothby. Oh, uh, Lord. In 2375, Species 8472 established a training facility somewhere in the Delta Quadrant, recreating Starfleet Command, Starfleet Medical, and Starfleet Academy in perfect detail. Um, something, something, something. The leader of the group took on the role of Boothby. Um, and and I, I need to stress that role of Boothby is hyperlinked. Lord. You see, Picard said the name Boothby one time, so now he's the most important person in all of Starfleet. The character role of Boothby has its own fucking article. Apocrypha! Ah! Infinity's Prism! In the Star Trek Myriad Universe's book, Infinity's Prism. It is revealed that something or something, something about Boothby. I don't care. See, we 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 criticize this stuff in the new Trek series where like a minor detail is inflated in relevance because of its connection <laughs> with Picard. But no, yeah. it was always this. This always happened. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It really seems to have only gotten really bad in Voyager, though, right? Yeah, Deep Space Nine I mean, didn't didn't have a lot of this. You have some callbacks in DS9, but only because it was like studio mandated, like, you know, like Worf is popular, so put him in there. Right. But, but uh, Worf isn't a minor detail. Sure. The, the, when the the way Worf is introduced is to smooth over, smooth over relations with Klingons, and that makes sense. He's the only Klingon officer in in the Federation. Maybe it's contrived, but it, it's logical. Whereas with the this Boothby stuff, there is no no reason that an alien species in the Delta Quadrant would it would, would mimic Boothby. <laughs> I I am not shitting you. The apocrypha section in the Boothby article is nuts. Oh, it's God. so big. Why? It's huge. He's in all these novels. He's in Star Trek Online. He's in the Star Trek customizable card game. Well, in Star Trek in the Online, novel, when I build my ensign, I need him to be mentored by Boothie. <laughs> by Boothie. <laughs> the novel The Needs of the Many gives his first name as Liam. Liam Boothby. Liam Boothby. Oh, Liam Boothby. Picard meets oh. Boothby in the... Uh, I, I alluded to this earlier. He meets him again in the first... <laughs> The first duty. That's it. Um, <laughs> the one where Wesley Crusher is uh, <laughs> his team of of rogue Starfleet cadet pilots 
get one of their friends killed and they have to stand trial. Right, right, right. Yeah, Boothby shows up there. And it's like, all right, whatever. Picard meets Boothby again. And Boothby's just kind of like a dick. He's like, oh, Picard, you always sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. Yeah, uh, Booth Babe, Boothby. Booth Babe, Boothby. Booth Babe, Boothby. So that's gonna. Booth Babe, Babe the Pig, Boothby. (laughs) That's our t shirt. So this Mm. is gonna do it for this episode of The Ready Room. As always, shout out to our sponsors, Denny's, home of the. I almost said home of the 15 minute oil change, home of the Grand Slam and Moons Over My Head. That would have been bad. We would have got an angry letter for that. Would have cost us a contract, but also. Partnering with uh, the Pep Boys, who are home of the 15 Minute Oil Chains. If you drop the word "readier," "readia" at either of these establishments, you'll get 15% <laughs> off of your order or purchase. Until next time, everybody. I'm Mitchell Mells for Brandon Hobbs. We're wishing you a very, very pleasant. Stay ready. The troublesome little man child. I stand before you, defrocked. This lowest of species. Thank you, Anson. Engage. inside the bottle.